Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Sacred Space Podcast. My name is Gina Stockton, and I am so happy that you have joined me today. I have a very special guest today, my friend Mary Felch. Mary is a marriage and family therapist, loves Jesus, and is one of my favorite people. Mary has an incredible story. She has walked through a lot in her life and is just a living, breathing miracle and demonstration of God's redemption. And in addition to that, I just felt like with 2020 and 2021 and all the things that we've walked through in the last year, all of the fear and chaos really that uh, has surrounded us, there's a lot of people experiencing anxiety and depression and fear that never have really wrestled with that before. And people who have wrestled with that are finding themselves in darker places than they'd ever experienced before. So I asked Mary to come and share her wisdom, her experience, the things she's seeing, and how her faith merges with her understanding and her education about emotional mental health and how that lines up with our spiritual health. So sit back, relax, and enjoy your time in the sacred space. Mary Felch. Hi. Hi, Gina. Friend. You are one of my favorite people. Mary and her husband, Keith, have been incredible gift in our lives, in our family's life. We have a lot of a lot of history, but mm-hmm. uh, I wanted, Mary, I wanted you here yes. um, for a number of reasons, not the least of which is, I just think you're awesome, but <laughs> uh, you have an incredible story and... The Lord's been, I don't know, I've just been very passionate about testimony lately. I think with some of the earlier podcasts I recorded for this season, talking to some people and realizing Mm -hmm. that we just don't hear people's stories as much as we used to. Mm -hmm. Back when I was a kid in the early days in Calvary, you know, every Sunday Mm -hmm. somebody got up and shared their testimony and how they met Jesus. They stood up and shared their story of how they encountered him and how their life changed. And Mm -hmm. we just don't hear that as much. So you have a pretty profound story and testimony and you have several actually we just talked before we started recording so would love for you to share that but in addition you're a marriage and family therapist you also do art therapy yes you also have the best voice in the world your voice is like a hug so everybody i have so many people say that my voice is soothing you have i have nothing on my friend mary and you'll get to that soon but yeah we're in the beginning of 2021, which is coming at the end of 2020. It's been a brutal year in terms of world circumstances, uh, cultural situations. Uh, There's just a lot going, a lot lot of insecurity and fear, a lot of division and and anger Mm -hmm. and offense in the world. There's a lot happening. Yeah. Uh, People who do not ever struggle with anxiety or depression or fear or finding themselves facing those things for the first time. Mm-hmm. And those that have struggled before are having to Very hard time. process mm-hmm. on a whole different level. And so I would love to talk to you about that as well. Like, what mm-hmm. are you seeing? How, um, how have things shifted with people mm-hmm. that you see that are coming to you. Mm-hmm. And then also you can't always do it when you're in the office with a client, but you are a believer. You do know Jesus. And how mm-hmm. does what you know about emotional and mental health tie in with mm-hmm. spiritual health and mm-hmm. how we can stand, you know, be, how we can be in a, like Ephesians stand. And after you've done everything you can to stand, stand. That's right. <laughs> and yeah. that's a there's that's in spiritual warfare, but I think that spiritual warfare absolutely ties into our emotional and our mental health and yeah. spiritual health. So, yeah, I, wherever you want to start, maybe we'll start with your story because that kind of brings you to how mm. you s- came to be where you are, and you shared with me your your writing your story. Yes, we'll, <laughs> which is Working awesome. On that. <laughs> yeah, so. Let's start at the very beginning. Yeah. A very good place to start. Um, so I had a really hard childhood mm-hmm. and um, still working through some things. Yeah. But I was raised kid number five out of ten children yeah. in a large Catholic family. 
that went to Mass every Sunday, and I went to Catholic school growing up, and nothing against Catholic believers, Yeah, but our family wasn't necessarily that. We had a lot of chaos at home, and uh, my father was a very violent man, Yeah, and so I lived in fear hmm. my whole life. I don't remember not being in fear. Wow. And um, because of that, um, I witnessed domestic violence. He would hit my mom, and you know he was physically abusive to myself and all my siblings. Yeah. And then also, uh, he was sexually abusive. And this was the big secret in the family. Hmm. And we'd have to you know, get ready and go to church and get ready and go to school and put a smile on your face. But when you're home, you just never knew what was going to happen next. Wow. And so um, that kind of fear has gripped me most of my life. Yeah, I, I don't even know how to comprehend that kind of safety violation. You know, your home should be the place that you're safe. But when your home is not safe, yeah, then you have, what do you have? And the amount of, the kind of fear that that must instill yeah. is pretty, pretty overwhelming. Yeah, it's, it makes it hard to breathe. Mm. And so, um, and we, you know, as a therapist, I learned that about trauma survivors, that um, their breathing is very much tied in with their trauma, as well as people who suffer from anxiety. And so we work on breathing and letting, letting yourself feel your body breathe. And um, just to do that is an actual exercise for a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, to take a deep breath in and out. And uh, it's very refreshing to realize I can do that purposefully, which didn't come to me in a natural way. Yeah. So a lot of um, my healing has had to be with great intention mm. and a lot of hard work. Yeah. And I wish that it was magic wand healing by God, but mine was yeah. a, a long, hard journey. And um, yeah, but he met me there. Yeah, and uh, and, I, and I also... I'm so glad that you said that because I think for a long time, I think it's getting better now, but I think for a long time in the church, mm-hmm. there really wasn't context, grid, or even permission for a process of healing. Yeah. And so uh, there was a, a lot of, well, you, you, once you come to Jesus, you know, read your Bible and be, you know, pray and do these things and you should be fine. And if you're still struggling, you know, get over yourself, which really compounds the fear and shame, right? Because yes. now all that that self-hatred and shame that you've been living with now, just the enemy just capitalizes on that, right? Oh, yeah. And just you feel really, so isolated. Yeah. You're the only one in the world who feels the way you do or thinks the way you do. It's yeah. so full of shame to admit it. I remember when I used to go to a church uh, when I was super depressed. I was in my healing process, but I was in the depression stage. And um, the pastor you know, up on the pulpit would talk really bad about psychology. Yeah. And then he would talk terribly about people who needed antidepressants. Yeah. And at that point, I had started seeing a therapist and I was put on antidepressants. And so it was really hard to just go, well, I guess my pastor doesn't understand. Eventually, we went to a church that had a psychologist on staff. <laughs> Thank <laughs> yeah. God. Um, and, you know, people have grown beyond that uh, that earlier way of thinking. But it was very damaging to yeah. be suicidal in church on Sundays and hear my pastor saying the things that are helping me were not good. Yeah. But I'm glad I, I'm glad I found someplace else to go at that time, at least. Yeah, absolutely. So... So, so yeah, so let's go back a little bit. You yeah. grew up in, in that home where fear was, you know, your constant. That was yeah. your baseline. Yeah. Um, when did you meet Jesus or at least mm-hmm. recognize that Jesus wasn't just putting on a, a nice dress and putting on a smile and going through the motions on a Sunday with your family? Well, um, in 10th grade, we moved to a new county, and I had to go to a new school, and I didn't know anyone. And the first group of people that welcomes you are the lovely people who do drugs. So I started hanging out with them, and they were nice, (laughs) but it scared me. And Mm -hmm. um, I watched my sister go hang out with another group of people, and I thought, maybe I'll check out her group. And she was nice enough to let me. (laughs) And it ended up being this group of people in high school that 
sat around a tree at lunch and played guitar and sang and opened their Bible and Hmm. read it, and they (laughs) were nice to each other. And it blew me away. Wow. Uh, Yeah. So um, you know how people in high school are in categories. You have the the nerds and the cools and the whatever. And like... I would see people of different groups talking to each other and hugging each other. Yeah. And I was like, you guys are breaking the rules. It was yeah. just like amazing. And um, that is where I first saw is by your love, they will know you are my disciples indeed. Yeah. And that's what I saw. And I was attracted to it. Yeah. And so I kept coming. And then one morning I prayed with someone and accepted Jesus. That's Praise the Lord. That's awesome. Yeah. And let me also just side note, say, church, this is what we're supposed to be. (laughs) How amazing would it be if we could get back to different groups from different places, from different walks of life, from different likes, dislikes, hobbies, sitting around together, Mm -hmm. opening the word together and... Oh, yeah. Singing songs and praying for one another and bearing one another's burdens so that by our love, yeah, people will know that Jesus is real. And he's among us. He's yeah. among us. So that's powerful. Yeah. So then I started dating the Bible study teacher. <laughs> yes, you did. And, um, you know, for several years. And then we got married, and that's my husband, Keith. So, you know. Yeah. And you were married young. Yep. I was 18 and he was 19. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But we we knew. Yeah. Well, so many people warned us, but it was the right thing for us. I don't yeah. encourage everyone else to do that. <laughs> it was right. Yeah, it was. Yeah. You guys are amazing together. So, yeah. So you and Keith met, you got married, which really was a vehicle of of getting away from that horrible, horrible place. And so now you can start this process of really kind of regaining and rediscovering Mm -hmm. what life could be. Yeah. And I didn't know at the time how much would follow me after I got out of that house. So, um, and now that I'm writing my book, the memories are coming back. But um, I had a son when I was quite young. We had a son. And so um, I remember wanting to always give him a better life. And But when he was like two, I would just be so angry inside. Mm-hmm. And I could look at my life and say, there's nothing here to make you mad. So I knew it didn't have to do with my current life. And so um, I took that anger and I went to go see a therapist at that other church <laughs> and um, began to put the pieces together that I had a lot of leftover anger for, and other feelings from a childhood that was so difficult and um, went through a long process of sorting that out and healing. Yeah. And my healing has been tremendous. It's amazing. I can't believe yeah. it. And yet it took a long, slow time. Yeah. And I almost didn't make it. Hmm. So. Yeah. You are a, you're a little miracle sitting <laughs> across from me. I will say that. I yeah. am. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not a little miracle. That sounds like I'm not trying to say <laughs> no, but you're a huge miracle, and and your fact, marriage is a miracle, and mm-hmm. you know um, your son, like all of it, yeah. like you know that's that's redemption, right? Mm-hmm. And that's also redemption of a legacy. You know, breaking that pattern, breaking that cycle, mm-hmm. um, breaking that, so it's not passed on, and and doing allowing God into those broken, hard places so that he can bring beauty from ashes. But mm-hmm. that's that's not a pretty road. No. <laughs> it's an, a pretty excruciating road, but it's beautiful at the same time. Yeah. yeah, and some of the deepest depths of my hardest part of my depression, um, I at times felt an intimacy with God that was just incredible. I felt his nearness. Mm. And in other moments, I didn't. And it was very scary. Yeah. Uh, But I'm glad I kept going forward with God's help. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. That's a big deal. What you thinking? Well, I'm just reflecting on that um, I almost didn't make it. Like, I was suicidal, and I did try to kill myself, and I I nearly succeeded. Yeah. And um, 
actually, what's shocking is that I didn't do it more than once. Uh, but the fact that I survived uh, is is the Lord that people saw me and yeah. called nine one one and all that. Um, and it was slow and gradual, the healing, and I wished it would have been fast and easy. Yeah. But I didn't know how to connect with other people. I didn't know how to trust people. And so I, in many, many ways, even though I had friends and people who cared for me, I was separate from them Yeah. because I couldn't let myself really feel it. Mm. Wow. And believe it. Yeah. And that's so interesting because we're really made for relationships. Yeah. So when that violation happens and that mistrust gets established, then mm-hmm. the things that we set up for protection mm-hmm. end up also being the things that keep us from healing. Right. And yes, so you kind of survival skills, the survival skills like those kind of become strongholds that we then have to go in and deconstruct mm-hmm. so that we can allow ourselves to be vulnerable and trust. But you have to and find connection and find connection. But there's yeah. risk in all of that. Right. Oh, yeah. it's, it's a scary place. And when it feels life or death, you know, why would yeah. you risk? Yeah. So I, as a therapist, I learned that the very first stage that a baby learns is trust versus mistrust. Hmm. And I learned mistrust. Yeah. And so it was always safer for me to mistrust. And uh, until, you know, I had a therapist who went deep with me and I gradually learned to trust. And I thank God I married a good husband who I could trust. But yeah. even then, I didn't really know how to trust him. That has come over time. So, but yeah. And all the things that you do to protect yourself are the things you need to lay aside in order yeah. to really grab hold of real life. Yeah. And uh, I still was learning one of those this week, how um, I was asked, uh, how do you feel others feel when you walk into a room, when they see you walk into a room? And I was like, oh, they don't see me. Hmm. No one sees me when I walk in a room. And and I realized I still believe I'm invisible. Yeah. Yeah. That was one of my coping skills. And... um, I thought about that. Well, no, I'm probably friendly, but that's only if I realize I need to be friendly. But but the first thought was I'm invisible, yeah. And it was my superpower, and many survivors have that yeah. feeling of being invisible, uh, which was safety. Yeah. And now, like here, being on your podcast, I'm being seen, or at least I'm being heard. But um, it's about being visible. Yeah. And it's okay. Yeah. Wow, that's powerful. So you. Went on this journey, God spared your life. You weren't successful in taking it because mm-hmm. He wasn't finished with you. Yeah, <laughs> here and um, you know you kept you kept going down that road, and it was a long road. But in the process of that, um, you went to school, and a lot of people who have hard past and go through stuff do end up kind of going down the road of psychology and Mm -hmm. um, mental health. And yeah, share that journey. What made you decide to become a therapist? And um, (laughs) was a lot of things, but I did feel drawn to it. And I felt that I had the gift of encouragement. And so uh, I wanted to use that gift. I also had a burning passion to help someone with what I've been through. Yeah. And so that I'm I'm really not a good go to school person, but um, with that belief that I could someday help someone who was in the very situation I had been in, uh, if I had the right tools, I could help them. I thought, oh my gosh, that's worth it. And. And it was a long, slow educational process because I was a a mom and a wife and I worked, I was a hairdresser, (laughs) got my way through school, you know, four and a half years to get my AA, another four years to finish my BA. And then I got to go full time as I went to my master's program, which was the best Mm -hmm. at a Christian university and um, learn to really combine uh, my faith with what I had learned about psychology 
and uh, write papers on that and have to grapple with that. Where, yeah. Where's the truth? And and I'm just realizing that the Bible is full of really good therapy. You know, really whatsoever is. things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever yeah. good report and worthy of praise, think on these things. Yeah. Well, that that's really good therapy. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus is a very emotionally healthy leader. Yes. <laughs> He, yeah, so much empathy, so much, you know, um, patience, so yeah. much, uh, li- he's quick to listen, slow to speak, and then when he does speak, it's powerful, yeah. you know. And he's full um, of truth and grace, Yeah, both of which we need. So good, mm-hmm. so good. Yeah, so how did, how did you reconcile that feeling of being young and sitting in church and having the pastor kind of... Uh, condemning the very thing that was starting to bring you some semblance of um, order in your life. How did you reconcile um, your faith Mm -hmm. and some circles that were kind of poo-pooing what you needed to make progress and and what you needed for healing. Like, how did you reconcile mm-hmm. those two? And so that when you got to your master's program, you actually found that place of seeing God. And, mm-hmm. you know, it. we go to medical doctors for, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, my, I broke my leg. I go to a doctor. I have mm-hmm. cancer. I go to a doctor. Yes. Um, someone who we've learned that God's given us knowledge, you know, mm-hmm. all of those things. But mental health has been... And emotional health has been an area that's just people have had a hard time. Yeah. And again, I think the world in general has coming, been coming around to that. And the church is always kind of late to the party with some of that stuff. Yeah. And they're coming around to that. So you, this was several years ago that you kind of in the middle of that mm-hmm. had to come to that reconciliation yourself. What was that journey like? Well, I was very blessed in that the first therapist I had was a Christian. In fact, each of them have been. But um, so that helped the battle in my mind saying, you know, is this really a good idea? And I knew he was a solid Christian. And I just figured some people don't understand. So the pastor who was talking probably just didn't know this part of things, even though he was great at other things. And... um, I just had to trust that. He was a Christian. I trusted his faith. I searched the scriptures and couldn't find anything against it. In fact, there's a lot of scriptures that support counseling. Yeah, I could understand the importance of seeing a Christian therapist, though, because they do have some ability to influence. Yeah, And so I wanted someone whose ethics, morals, faith, I trusted. Yeah. Not that I knew how to trust, but you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So that really helped. Yeah. That's good. That's good. So... Again, we're in the beginning of 2021. Uh, 2020's been mm-hmm. crazy. And like we alluded to earlier, you know, people who've never experienced anxiety or fear, depression, are f- struggling with that for the first time. People who do have a history of that are really struggling. Yes. Uh, suicide rates are up. Yes. Drug use is up. There's just, there's a lot going on. So you, as a therapist, mm-hmm. and you've still been practicing, but now online and yeah. all of that. Um, what are you seeing? And yeah, let's start there. What are you seeing? Well, I was talking to someone about this recently, how we feel COVID is like a buzz in the background of life that is mm-hmm. a stress, but it's just a buzz. And the reality is it's like a roar in the background. Yeah, We know all these horrible things that are happening, and we bear the weight of that, even if it's not happening to us. Mm, that's good. And so we see it on the news if we watch the news, or we don't watch the news and we're hiding from the news, and yeah. it is still happening in, in addition to other stresses. And so um, I do see a lot of people who've never had anxiety before are now having anxiety, and they're making phone calls, and they're not sure what therapy is, but someone suggested it was a good idea, and they're having a hard time breathing, and they're having a hard time getting through the daily tasks of life. And I think a lot of us are that. We're just trying to tread water through 2020. Yeah. You know, and the hopes of 2021, you know, we have a lot of hope. I love that analogy of the buzz in the background of like white noise because mm-hmm. if you've ever been someplace you know, like an airplane even mm-hmm. like there's a lot of noise when you're on an airplane and you kind of eventually don't realize it's there mm-hmm. until you get off the airplane you know mm-hmm. or like the nam show it's a big yeah. music trade show and you go and it's just the noise level is 
deafening almost. Mm -hmm. But when you're there, you go through the day and before you know it, you're not even thinking about it. But as soon as you walk out the doors, the silence is overwhelming. Yeah. And you 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 physically feel the weight leave. Mm-hmm. And that's a really great way to describe the undercurrent in 2020 yeah. and that there's just this constant yeah. weight, this constant pressure that even if we're not at this moment worried about something, maybe I don't have a job that is in jeopardy or maybe, mm-hmm. you know, like, okay, for all intents and purposes, I'm doing okay regardless, mm-hmm. but there's still that noise yeah. that is not letting go. And it just, it takes its toll. And the typical things we do to help ourselves with stress are taken from us. Yeah. For a while there, even the beaches were closed. I mean, like, now yeah. you can go to the beach, but don't gather in groups. Yeah. And um, going to church, the things that brought us comfort every week um, and being able to sing together is we're just not there yet. So um, we have to find other ways to take care of our hearts, our minds, and our spirits. And um, this is what I talk a lot with people about, self-care. Yeah. What are you doing for you? What are you doing to not feel as isolated as we sometimes feel? How are you connecting with others? Are you connecting with yourself? Yeah, that's good. And how are you letting your connection with yourself connect with God in the quietness? And um, a lot of people, they are on their own cases, mad at themselves for not doing more. Look, I have all this time. But yeah. we, it's a lot to have this buzz, this roar of, of COVID. And it is a hard season to get through. So don't be hard on yourself yeah. if I can say anything. Yeah, have grace for yeah. yourself. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. It's like you kind of carry the, I should be doing more. Yes. I should. And it's like, you know, how do you? And I think it's compounded by the fact that, our society right now doesn't know how to be still. Yeah. Um, we don't know how to be quiet. Mm-hmm. I've been getting frustrated with myself that as soon as I sit down, I grab my phone yeah. to look at email, to look at, you know, Instagram. To, I mean, I, mm-hmm. I struggle with stopping, you know, yeah. with not um, looking at something, hearing something. Yeah. Just to sit and breathe. Yeah. You have to. Is an exercise. Is an exercise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And how do you, for you personally, how does your faith uh, and your relationship with Jesus integrate with self-care? I believe in routines and patterns of life. Mm -hmm. And having a new year is always a new time. I bring it up with my clients. Um, What do you want to be your new pattern of life or your new routine? What things do you want to add Mm -hmm. into your day that help you have the disciplines of having a consistent walk with the Lord as much as we can have consistency in this world. Right. And so um, I love getting up early mornings. I love getting up before the sun is up and watching it rise as I just sit, read the scriptures and think about God and try to talk to Him and <laughs> try to listen. Um, physical activity is good for me. It keeps my mind doing well. Mm-hmm. So um, I love doing yoga and I do it at my home now because of COVID. And I also have an elliptical, and I just like doing that. It, yeah. it, I find it helps me feel more connected to my body. Many survivors of trauma have a hard time being in their body and being connected to their body. Mm. And I do find if I can be present and in my body, it's easier to be present with others yeah, and even to notice the presence of God. Yeah, no, that's good. And can you—I would love for you to unpack— yoga a little bit because I know it's controversial and there's some people in the church that are super scared of it and yeah you know there are the the roots of the practice of it is like there's different things so I would love for you to to unpack that a little bit and how you found that balance oh yeah same thing with mindfulness I I'm not stuck on words so you don't have to use the word yoga you can just use stretching but there are certain stretches you can make which help you breathe better and if you do them in a pattern with other moves it can help you feel a bit of stretching throughout your whole body and just more relaxed when you're done like you can really take a deep breath of air yeah I enjoy that Um, I don't need any of the other religious type things they may add to it, huh? Yeah. I just don't even no. go there. No. 
And I have actually been to a Christian yoga class where they shared scriptures as we did the movements, and it's great. And the same with mindfulness. I'm referring a lot of people to do mindfulness and meditation. David talks about meditating on the scriptures in the Bible. And a lot of people get afraid of that because they're adding stuff to it. I think Christians can reclaim this. And, um, you know, meditation is like um, deciding to breathe in and breathe out and to even be thankful for the breath that God gives you. And just think the word in and out as you breathe. Or think of a scripture as you breathe in and out. And that slowing down and being present is so good for us. Yeah, that's so good. And, you know, I, I think the word that kept coming to mind when you were talking was is stewardship. Like how do we steward our souls and our spirit and and our our emotions? Yes. And so that comes into play with choosing to take care of ourselves, but also choosing the way in which we do that. So you want to be careful. You want to be careful what you bring in. So, yes. you know, if you're going to go to a yoga class, like be intentional about where they're coming from and what it is they're going to be talking about and whether you are at a place in your walk with Jesus and yourself that you can be in that environment and it mm-hmm. it not have a negative impact on you. Mm-hmm. Or like you said, breathing, um, if, if you struggle wanting to figure out what to place your mind on, you know, use, um, I have actually a link on my website to soul shepherding that I work with, they have a whole collection of breath prayers that are designed for that, where it's breathe in uh, this scripture, breathe out this, you know, breathe in Abba, breathe out, I belong to you. And Mm -hmm. um, those are the ways that you can, like you said, meditation is biblical, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, meditating on the Lord, meditating on scripture, meditating on his presence, on his goodness, Mm -hmm. on whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, right? Yeah. It's all those things. So I I think it's those things can be hijacked by the world to distract us. And they can be dangerous if we don't steward what we're being influenced by. Yes. So it's time to reclaim those things yeah. so that we can let the Lord meet us there, right? Yeah, and not have things that distract us from it. So Yeah, it's good. Yeah. So you are also, uh, you love art, and you're an artist, and you do art therapy. Uh, years ago, uh, the church that we were both at, mm-hmm. the women's ministry did a women's retreat and invited you to do an art therapy or um Expressive art. Expressive art. Yeah. I was like, what was it? Expressive art uh, workshop. Mm-hmm. And it was funny because a guy helped you with that. And all these women, probably 40 women showed it. It was pretty big. Mm-hmm. But what was funny is they didn't know what they were coming into. Mm-hmm. They were kind of like, okay, what is this? And mm-hmm. um, with this, I'll just set the stage. There are tables around and everyone had a couple of pieces of paper and then a, you know, a small canvas. And you go through this process of first, uh, you fold the piece of paper into four, and then you have people close their eyes and take a deep breath in. And then you say a word or, you know, Jesus or God or love or something. You have them pick one color and make a mark because you're, you're training them to associate color with emotion, associate mm-hmm. color with something. And then once you go through that exercise, you would, uh, in those workshops, uh, maybe take a scripture or a prayer, and you would have people close their eyes, you would read a certain thing, and then you would say, okay, now take two colors, and in the top left-hand corner, just paint what you're feeling, what are you seeing, you know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I love these because there aren't any actual paintbrushes. You have Mm -hmm. sponges, Sponges, you know, it's, it's, you did everything you could to put people at ease that you don't have to be an artist to do this. Yeah. But the thing I loved about it was watching these women who first came in with their body language. You could just tell a little stiff, a little Mm -hmm. not sure. And by Mm -hmm. 30 minutes, 40 minutes in, Mm -hmm. their shoes are off, their their (laughs) legs are crossed. And it's like all of a sudden the little kids in them would kind of come out. And they're, they're, they're playing and they're expressing and they're, some of them probably putting... Uh, expression to things they had been feeling or sensing mm-hmm. or dealing with for a long time. And by the end, they're standing in a circle sharing their little painting, you know, with crazy revelation of God's grace, of, yes. you know, tears streaming down their face, recognizing mm-hmm. 
hurt or healing or whatever the case may be, there's something really profound about creativity and art. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I really love leading those workshops, and I love um, helping people learn to pray through color. Yeah, um, so Ooh, like we were talking good. about breath prayers. I've done that associated also with using colors of paint to paint your prayer. Hmm. And in a way, it's like you're pouring your heart out to the Lord, and uh, it's just something that you feel or you experience. It's more experiential. And then afterwards, as you look at it, you have more awareness as to what you were really trying to share with the Lord and what you sensed his presence was sharing with you. It's so good. I was at a uh, uh, worship network um, retreat several years ago in Laguna. And Ian Cron, I don't know if you know him, he's he's an author and Mm -hmm. an Episcopalian priest, I believe. And he has a bunch of podcasts on like Enneagram and stuff. Anyhow, he was speaking and he used a quote and I don't know, I, I need to find it. I've tried to find it. I can't find it, but I don't know if it was his quote or someone else's, mm-hmm. but he said that art has the ability to bring truth in sideways. Oh, I love that. And I love that because yeah. it's like, you know, you can, you can have somebody standing in a room talking to you, mm-hmm. but art, looking at a piece of art or hearing a piece of music or something suddenly brings truth and in a way that you can't receive it any other way. And mm-hmm. I would say Powerful. Mm-hmm. even expressions, you can go the other direction, which means you can express stuff mm-hmm. through art and creativity in ways that sometimes you can't put voice to. Yes. And so for many years, I've done um, expressive art therapy groups for those healing from sexual abuse and rape and found when people get stuck and they don't know how to tell their story, we would give them paint and a large paper or something to express it on and just to tell their story through color and then gather in a safe circle and have them share about their painting. And it was so amazing. People who had never told anyone could finally talk about it. And it was a bridge to find the language. And what's interesting is different parts of the brain do that. And so when one part is stuck, we use the other part, which then opened it up. And it's been amazing. Yeah, so good. So good. I would actually love to ask you a question. And we can not go there if you don't want to go there. Um, So you just shared about you know, rape victims and sexual assault victims. And, you know, those are, those are heavy mm-hmm. circumstances. You shared your upbringing, mm-hmm. heavy, dark, hard circumstances. Yeah. How did you, do you process, what does that journey look like? Or how do you reconcile um, your relationship with God who didn't protect you? Or yeah. didn't protect these women. Like how? Yeah. How do you process that, and how do you let the Lord meet you there? I mean, those are big yeah. questions. Those are hard questions. I know. Um, those are questions I've wrestled with because yeah. I feel like in my testimony, where I grew up in some not great circumstances, part of what I always thought was a part of my testimony was that God protected me, where I was in circumstances that stuff should have happened to me. Yeah. It didn't. Mm-hmm. So when I was faced with people I'm very close to that I love mm-hmm. who Things live in where they should, you know, that shouldn't have happened to them. That should have happened to me. Mm-hmm. But it didn't. But it happened to this person who I love who, mm-hmm. for all intents and purposes, it shouldn't have. Yeah. Or you, you know. So I'm curious that journey, how the Lord's met you there, how you've really reconciled some healing. We've talked about relationship. We've talked about safety. We've talked about all those barriers we put up with other people, but the same goes with God, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, trusting God. Trusting. Yeah, so how, how did you? Well, that was a real journey. And as long as I was trying to hide the fact that I was angry with God, I stayed stuck in my anger. Mm-hmm. And I was very blessed to have a neat Christian female therapist where I could begin to unpack all of this and she made it safe for me hmm. to be mad at God as mad as I needed to be. So good. And she just kept telling me, he's big enough, he can take it. Yes. Oh, that helped me so much. I could journal 
horrible things in my journal, <laughs> you know, at God. And um, I could still come back each week to my therapist, and, and it was okay. God didn't run from me. Yeah. And in that, I vented it all out. And so that really helped. And I I read a lot of books, too. I, I began to think, you know, it's not just me that, that yeah. horrible things have happened to. And I think of, how does God let bad things happen to good people? Yeah. How can bad things happen to babies? It's like yeah. so unfair. And, you know, I understand there's sin in the world and all of that. But I also think there's no answer that's going to be good enough yeah. for me to go, oh, that makes sense. Right. But I do think... God is mystery, and He is beyond my ability to comprehend. Yeah, and I have come to trust that, and so um, I don't have to fully understand. I do believe God cried when things happened to me, and I think yeah. He cries when it happens to other people. Yes, and so I know God's heart is for me. Yeah, that's what I need to know. Yeah, um, so that helps me through. Yeah. And eventually, I was able to make peace with not knowing. And you can't really tell that to somebody. They kind of have to have their own journey to get there. Yeah. But I do think that the pathway there was being able to share my anger with God yeah. with another person who could also take it. So good. I, yeah. Instead I think, of pretending. Instead of pretending, I think the probably one of the grandest lies that we can fall into is not believing that he can take it yeah, and not believing that he is the safest place to take it. And he, right? like he doesn't already know. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> yeah. It's so interesting. I, I, um, I just actually did another uh, interview today and we were talking about a book that uh, Bill and Christy Galtier have written a book called journey of the soul, a uh, practical guide to emotional and spiritual health. And mm -hmm. they have written something that I think is going to be very catalytic for the church because they've identified stages of faith and kind of the invitation in each one and the roadblock at each one mm -hmm. and how not recognizing the stage of faith that I'm in can, I can, um, do a lot of judgment of myself because I think, why am I not where these people are over here? Mm -hmm. And I could have a lot of shame and hiding, or I could start judging everyone else. Well, why aren't you, you should be over here. What's wrong right. with you? You know? And so there, there's just something really powerful about it, but that, that safety and that God could take it is, is really important. And in recent, uh, last few weeks, I've been just praying a lot, the second Chronicles seven fourteen, you know, if my people who are called by my name will yeah. humble themselves, will pray and seek my face and turn from their sin, I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, I will heal their land. And for some reason it struck me that God says, If my people mm -hmm. who are called by my name yeah. we we kind of breeze by that, but what struck me is he's saying this to Israel when they're far away from him and they're still called by his name. Yeah. You know, and uh, the prodigal son, you know, went away in anger, disgust, arrogance, took his inheritance, squandered it all, mm -hmm. came back in shame, but he was still a son. Mm -hmm. You know, the father, you know, the son wanted to come and just work in the kitchen, but the father came and put his robe and his ring on him and, and escorted him to the head of the table. Mm -hmm. And what I've said several times on the podcast is his ability to sit at the head of the table was entirely based on his understanding of the motive of his father. Because being seated there could be a humiliating mm, place. Yeah. Or it could be a place of absolute love and mm -hmm. uh, acceptance. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a, another area that the enemy is just laughing all the way to the bank. Because when he can pull us away and isolate us and convince us that God's just waiting to punish you or yes. waiting to to tell you what you did wrong or waiting to say, well, yeah, sorry, you weren't worth saving or whatever the case yeah. may be, but that he can take every dark, ugly thing that we have to say, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. um, and he can meet us right there. Yeah. There's a saying I got in my head. I don't know if I made it up or someone else did. I mean, it kind of goes, you have to be where you are to get where you're going. Yeah. And I I really believe that. Like, I had to be in my anger 
in order to move beyond my anger. Yeah. So um, I think that's, I see that with a lot of my clients and a lot of people. And I love setting Christians free to mm-hmm. have their feelings. Oh, helping to set yeah. them. Like, it's okay. You can it's have okay. your feelings. <laughs> right. You have Imagine. them anyway. You're just burying them, but they're still right? there. Yeah, right. Yeah. It, it, so much less damage if you yeah. let them out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's the worst that can happen? No. <laughs> awesome. So, Mary, what would you say to somebody who might be listening who might just be in that place of isolation. Maybe they're just in a place of um, they're on their journey. You know, I mean, we're all on our journey, right? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I've shared and you've shared too, you know, you know, we're older and the Lord still brings us to those places of more layers of the onion and more things that we think we've resolved. And then he's like, okay, it's time. Let's get (laughs) a little deeper, you know? So, but that, but that's his, his intimate intentionality and love for us that he doesn't take us somewhere. We're not ready to go yet. So there's so much grace and patience for where we are on our journey. Mm -hmm. I think too, it's like, not only can God take our anger, he can also take whatever pace we're able to step in mm-hmm. on that road. Mm-hmm. But what would you say to someone who's, you know, in a place with their healing? Maybe, it, you know, they're struggling to find safety either with God or someone else. Like, what things would you offer as encouragement? Well, when we're, when we feel alone, we often think that we are alone and that no one sees us or hears us. So yeah. I just want to blow a hole in that and like, God does see you, and He does hear you. Yeah, that's good. And um, He is working. So I encourage you to talk to Him and also look for the opportunities He puts in your path to have other people in your life who are also safe and will help you feel connected and connected to God. These things are important. He will put people in your path. He will give opportunities. Yeah, and I would say, you know, like you said so many times, just have grace for yourself. Yes. You know? Speak to yourself as kindly as you would to a friend. Hmm. It's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you, Mary. Yeah. Thanks, Gina. Appreciate you a lot. God Thank bless you. you in your ministry and the things that you're doing. And uh, when your book is done, <laughs> you're going to need to come back. Okay. <laughs> and we'll, we'll talk about that. All right. Before we go, I just want to give you an opportunity. We covered a lot of bases in this conversation. Maybe you can relate to Mary's story. Maybe your home growing up was not a safe place and trust was violated and safety was violated. And if that's you, wherever you are in your journey, I just want to encourage you that you're not alone. And there is healing and redemption. That Jesus sees every tear. He's heard every prayer. Every cry. Maybe you're someone who has never, ever dealt with anxiety or depression before, and in the last several months, you find yourself overwhelmed. God's with you. You're not alone. And maybe you, in either of those circumstances or something else completely, have a lot of anger towards God, towards hurt and pain and those that have caused it. You're not alone. And God can take all of it. He is the safest place to bring all of those things. So, Father, in Jesus' name, Holy Spirit, come. 
Lord, would you envelop your sons and your daughters in your peace right now, in your tangible presence? Would they know that you are there, that you are for them, that you're in front, behind, above, below, and on either side? And Lord, we take authority over the lies of the enemy in Jesus' name. We silence shame in Jesus' name. I silence accusation and self-hatred. All of the things that come against us when the enemy isolates us and whispers in our ears. And Father, would you let the light of your love and your truth and your presence and your voice pierce through the darkness, Jesus, and bring wholeness and healing. And give us strength and hope in the waiting. Lord, I thank you that you're faithful that you're true to your word, that you finish what you start. We love you, Lord. We pray all this in your name. Amen. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Sacred Space Podcast, and I really hope that you walk away from this with hope with encouragement, with strength, and maybe empowered to step towards caring for yourself emotionally, spiritually, mentally, physically, and maybe in ways you haven't before. If you want some information about Mary Felch, you can reach out to her through her website, maryfelch.com, and learn about expressive art workshops and the various things that she does. She also is involved with the Saddleback uh, Church Counseling Ministry. It's a huge counseling ministry with uh, qualified therapists. If you are needing or looking for someone to talk to, to process and uh, deal with the weight of the season that we're in, I really encourage you to reach out and get help. And you can even reach out to me and I can get you connected. You can uh, just email me at connect at StocktonMinistries.com. If you would like to support the production of this podcast and other projects from Stockton Ministries, you can make a donation either in the episode notes, follow the links, or go to our new website, StocktonMinistries.com, and click the donate link in the top right-hand corner. I hope you have an amazing week, that you know that you're not alone, that you're seen, you're known, and you're loved by Jesus. Have an amazing week. Until next time.